Good morning. Father, this is an awesome privilege we have right now uh, to hear from you. Uh, Lord, it's not my voice that's significant, it's yours. And you have spoken and you have told us what we desperately need to know and what will give us great joy to believe and to receive. So will you now speak to us? May your spirit cause uh, your truth to go deep into our hearts and to accomplish the good work you intend. We ask you to do that, Lord, for your glory and uh, for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians 15, called the resurrection chapter for reasons you will see if you're not familiar with it. Our series is called Heavenly Minded, and we are focusing on the amazing future we have to look forward to if we have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection on our behalf, if we have a faith relationship with Jesus, our future is amazing. And the the minded part of that title uh, is meant to tell us that it's, it's thinking about that amazing future. It's anticipating, it's looking forward to it that really needs to be a normal part of our lives and have a, uh, a life-changing effect on us. Um, last time we saw how focusing on our future Doing that regularly helps us not lose heart and become discouraged when times are hard. Uh, Because if you're confident that your future is good, it really enables you to put up with a lot right now. Uh, I mean, a, a very small example of that is if you know you're going on vacation in a few weeks and your boss is being kind of a jerk, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, I can, I can deal with this because what's coming is going to be good. Well, This is that idea times, I don't know, a million or something, a billion, trillion, I don't know, something like the budget deficit. It's huge. (laughs) It's huge. If you're confident that your future is good. And today's passage gives us even more reasons to have that confidence to be confident in this amazing future that's been promised so that we don't give up. And when I talk about giving up, I don't mean giving up on something trivial. Like you're playing a hand of solitaire and you know you can't win and you go, "Eh, well, throw it in. Nobody cares. Doesn't matter. We're talking about something that really matters. We're talking about giving up or wanting to give up on something that you're pretty sure God doesn't want you to give up on. Maybe a promise you made, fully intending to keep it and yet keeping it as turning out to be way harder than you ever thought it would. Or maybe you've been praying for someone for years, someone you love, that they would turn from the destructive path they're on and they would turn to Jesus. And it looks hopeless that they're ever going to do that. Or maybe it's some injustice in the world that just breaks your heart 
and you have prayed and you have worked and you have given to change that and it just doesn't seem to change. Or maybe what you feel like giving up on is you. What you really want to change is you. You want to love God more deeply. You want to obey Him more fully. You want to stop doing stupid things. And it just feels like you don't change. And frankly, maybe you're getting really tired of trying. What do you do if there's something you know God wants you to do, but you feel like giving up? Okay, I want you to look at the last verse of chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, it's a family term, it's, he's talking to fellow believers in Jesus, it's inclusive. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast, immovable. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't let anything move you away from faith in Jesus and the life He wants you to live. In fact, do the opposite of quitting. Abound in the work of the Lord. Overflow more and more. What's the work of the Lord? It's, it's anything Jesus wants you to do. Anything. Loving God, loving people, telling others the good news about Jesus, praying, giving generously, using your gifts to serve others, doing justice, loving mercy, all of which are the very things you will at times feel like giving up on doing because they're hard. They're really hard sometimes. But it says don't. Don't give up. In fact, do them more and more. How? How? How do you not give up when that's the very thing you feel like doing? Okay, look at the last part of the verse. Knowing. Knowing. So there's something you need to know. Knowing that in the Lord your labor, interesting word, isn't it? Labor, hard work, strenuous effort is not in vain. It's not useless. It's not a waste of time. Isn't that why you feel like giving up? When whatever you're doing just feels like a useless waste of time? Well, according to this, if your labor is in the Lord, that's never true. It's never true. What does it mean if your labor is in the Lord? It means doing it because you know the Lord wants you to do it. And so because you trust Him, you want to do what He wants you to do. And you know you can only do it by relying on Him. Well, whenever that's the case, whenever your labor is in the Lord, it's never, ever, ever a useless waste of time, no matter what it feels like or looks like. 
So I want you just to think about some difficult thing that you're pretty confident Jesus wants you to do, but you don't want to do it because to you it feels useless. This says you can actually know, know that it's not useless. You can have confidence it's not a waste of time. How can you know that? Okay, look at the first word in the verse. Therefore. Therefore means that whatever comes before it is the reason for whatever comes after it. And I mean logically, sometimes the order of the words might be different, but the idea that comes before the therefore is the reason for whatever comes after the therefore. Because this is true, therefore this. So, dumb example, my car's gas gauge says empty, therefore I need to go to the gas station and get gas. The fact that my gas gauge is empty is the reason I need to go get gas because my gas gauge says empty. So what comes before is the reason for what comes after. Okay, follow the logic here. Paul says, I want you to know something. I want you to be confident of something. I want you to know that not giving up on the good things that Jesus wants you to do is always worth it. It's never a waste of time. It's never in vain. And the reason you can know that is because of what I just told you. Everything that comes before verse 58. Because of what I told you in the previous verses, therefore your labor is not in vain, so don't give up. So what has he just told them? What's he been talking about? What's the reason they can know their labor in the Lord is not in vain, not a waste of time? Well, that's what we're going to look at. I'll give you a hint. It's their amazing future. It's their coming resurrection. Their coming glorification. They, meaning the Corinthians, the people he first wrote this to, they were having a hard time believing that that was actually going to happen. Resurrection? Really? And uh, I'll talk about that in a minute, but they were not convinced, and Paul wrote this to change their minds, which means if you're not convinced that this glorious future is coming that makes not quitting worth it, this is written to change your mind too. Paul wants them to know that it makes total sense to believe in the coming resurrection and to look forward to that with confidence so that they don't ever give up. And God wants the same thing for you and me. So let's look. We're going to go back to verse 35 to start. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Because resurrection is always about bodies. Don't forget that. You foolish person. What you sow, now he's going to use a farming or gardening illustration, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow, the seed you put in the ground, is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. 
But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same. There's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind. The glory of the earthly is of another kind. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body, meaning supernaturally transformed in some way. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. That does not mean a non-physical body. It just means a body that's been transformed. Verse 50. Skipping ahead a little. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, meaning I'm going to reveal something to you that's not been revealed before. We shall not, we believers in Jesus, shall not all sleep, meaning die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. For this mortal, uh, this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Okay, there's a lot we could talk about here, but I want to focus on this. Why resurrection makes sense. In other words, why it makes sense for you to be confident of your resurrection, your coming resurrection, if you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be confident of your coming resurrection so that you don't quit. You don't stop. You don't give up doing the good things Jesus wants you to do. Two reasons. Number one, it makes sense because God loves to display his glory through bodies. God loves to display his glory through bodies. And resurrection is all about bodies. All you have to do is look around at creation, to see that God loves to display his wisdom, his power, and his beauty through physical things. Now, the Corinthians were totally confused on this. And the reason they were confused is because their, their thinking was being shaped by their culture 
And Greek culture despised and mocked the idea of physical resurrection. They thought that was ridiculous. Because in their thinking, the physical was greatly inferior to the spiritual. And so a death, you know, the, the spirit is freed from the body, and why in the world would you want to go back to that? Okay, but see, that contradicts a really important lesson here that contradicts what God said about his physical creation and anytime we let other people influence to believe something that in effect disbelieves something God has said we're going to get confused and it's not going to be good Genesis 1 and God saw everything that he had made. Everything. Heavens and earth. Trees. Animals. Fish. People. Physical stuff. God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Well, creation is now broken and damaged in many ways because of sin. Romans 8 says all creation now groans. That's why we see stuff and it's all messed up. That's why I saw a falcon eating a pigeon the other day. That was kind of gross. All creation groans. All creation groans. But that fact does not change the reality that God loves to display His glory through what He makes. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.20. You, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in or with your body. Use your body to glorify God. Use your body to display God's wisdom and goodness and beauty. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink, those are physical things. You use your physical body to eat and drink, right? Physical things. Whatever you do, eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let that blow your mind sometime. Think about every single thing you do can be done for the glory of God. So, The fact that God intends to transform our fallen bodies into something glorious should not be surprising. It should not seem strange. That's what God loves to do. I mean, Paul says, consider creation. Just look at a seed for a minute. Look at a seed. Okay, so like an acorn. So here's an acorn. How impressive is that? It's a pretty humble little thing, right? I mean, it's kind of cute. But, I, you know, I, do you pick up an acorn and go, whoa! Usually not, especially if you've seen one. And they're falling on your car or, you know, wherever. Uh, but, put it in the ground... And if a squirrel doesn't eat it and it gets enough water and sunshine, what do you get? You get something 
glorious. Glorious. Now, if you didn't know, if you didn't know about oak trees, you'd never seen one before, and somebody showed you an acorn, could you have even imagined what that seed would become? Probably not. But that's how God works. He loves to do that. And he loves to make different kinds of bodies with different kinds of glory. Birds have bodies designed for flying through the air. Fish have bodies designed for living in water. Stars have bodies designed for shining in the night sky. And one day your body will be transformed so you can dwell in the new heavens and the new earth and enjoy the presence of God fully. You can't do that now. No, because your body is fallen. Your body is like a seed. But just as Jesus' body was raised and glorified, so will yours be if you trust Him. God loves to do that. God wants to do that. Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, that is a lot of power, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. So resurrections shouldn't seem odd to us. It is totally consistent with what God loves to do. He loves to show his glory through bodies. That's why he made you. That's why he created you. That's why he gave us bodies. And if you trust him, he has an amazing plan for your body. Amazing. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. If you look in the mirror now and go, you're going to love it. Any limitations, any limitations, any, any suffering you're experiencing now is going to be swallowed up in a glory so spectacular that you will say, man, whatever I suffered, whatever I suffered for doing what Jesus wanted, it was totally worth it. Totally worth it. Your body will be glorified because God wants to do that. So it makes sense to anticipate that with confidence. Look forward to that, not give up. Here's the other reason. Not only does God want to do it, does he love to display his glory through bodies? He must. He must glorify your body if you're a believer in Jesus. And the reason he must is not because of anything you've done. No, no. The reason is far more reliable than that. And aren't you glad? I mean, if your future hinged on you nailing it perfectly... No, it it hinges on something far more solid. So, notice the word must in verse 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Why is that a must? Why does it say that must happen? Because, verse 50. 
Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In other words, our bodies as they are right now, fallen. They are not suitable for their coming eternal environment. Okay? And it's not because they're physical. It's because they're fallen. In order to enter God's presence, in order to enter His kingdom Our fallen bodies must be transformed. Okay, now back up a step. Why must believers in Jesus enter his kingdom? Because Jesus died and rose again to make it happen. To give us the kingdom. Look at Colossians 1.13. God the Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, by taking our sin out of the way through his death and through his resurrection, has given us citizenship in his kingdom. Remember Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, so follow this. Track track the logic here. This is the logic of heaven. This is the logic of God. If we are citizens of Christ's kingdom, because he paid the price to redeem us, then our bodies have to be glorified. Because if they're not glorified, we don't get in. And if we don't get in, then God's promises are false. And what Christ died to accomplish fails. That can't happen. That cannot happen. You can see this in verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us, don't miss that word, gives, we don't earn it, he gives it the victory Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, if you're here and you haven't yet received that gift, that gift that Jesus has accomplished for us, that we simply receive as a gift when we put our trust in Him, that's how all of these promises become true for anybody. So, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what victory is he talking about? Well, it's when the perishable puts on the imperishable. It's when the mortal puts on immortality. It's when death is swallowed up in life. In other words, the victory is our resurrection. When when Jesus transforms and glorifies our body and we enter into God's Kingdom, that's the victory. And if that doesn't happen, if that doesn't happen, there's no victory. What's the opposite of victory? Defeat. God will never be defeated. Ever. That's why this must happen. Especially because the victory was achieved through the death of his beloved son. There's a quote from John Piper. Quote, God will not disregard or dishonor the work of his son. See, this is why, you know, when you're in your low moments and you, you feel like, 
a loser and a God will never do these things for you. Why would he? Look at you. You're looking at the wrong person. It's the work of God's Son that he's going to honor. God will not disregard or dishonor the work of his Son. God will honor the work of his Son by raising our bodies from the dead. And we will use our bodies to glorify him forever and ever. That's why you have a body now. And that's why it will be raised to be like Christ's glorious body. God is going to do it. He wants to do it. And he must do it. So see, it makes sense not to give up. It makes sense. It makes sense not to quit doing the good things Jesus wants you to do. Even when they're hard. In fact, abound. (laughs) I love that. Hey, don't just, you know, give up. Abound. Abound in good works. Abound in prayer. Abound in kindness. Abound in telling the truth. Abound in acts of mercy. Abound in justice. Abound in loving your neighbors. Abound in giving generously. Abound in sharing the good news. Abound in sending missionaries. Abound in making disciples of all nations. Because you know, you know God's going to glorify you. And everything you have done because you trusted Him is going to be worth it when that happens. It doesn't matter how imperfect it is. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter how painful it is. It will always be worth it. I said this, I think, the last time. You know, we were on a similar topic. I said, that is really easy to say. To hang on to that when times are tough, that's hard. And that's why we need one another. We need one another's encouragement. We need one another's prayer. We need to be reminded. It makes sense. It makes sense. So, you help me believe that. I'll help you believe that. Hang on to it. Need a little encouragement? Go find an acorn and look at it. That is an analogy of what God's going to do. And it's going to make changing an acorn into an oak tree look like nothing in comparison. Let's pray. Father, I pray for myself and everybody in this room who has put their trust in you and who now and then are in experiences that you know are breaking their hearts, testing their resolve, making them want to quit. Father, will you take this truth and will you penetrate it deep into our minds and hearts and help us hang on to it and remember it, that it's worth it because you will make it worth it. Keep us from quitting the things you want us not to quit. And Lord, if there's anybody here today who has yet to say yes to Jesus and put their life in his hands and receive him and the gift of eternal life he freely gives, Lord, will you, will you draw them to yourself? 
Help them ask questions, get answers. Uh, Lord, help us believe you and trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.